This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. And I had read so many papers. Yesterday, uh, the paper called Expected Management for Expected Management or Early Ibuprofen for Patent Ductus Arteriosus right. in the New England right. Journal of Medicine came out. Uh, first author is Hanshid and colleague. And um, it's a fascinating paper. So uh, let me let me tell you some of the notes that I that I wrote down. So I, I laughed a little bit because the first, like one of the first line of the introduction stated that like the first line uh, stated that like PDA management is subject to debate. And it's like, no kidding. <laughs> um, that about sums it up. Yeah. But then there's some good stuff in the introduction, some some board review and, and uh, high yield stuff uh, that the PDA is associated with neonatal mortality, morbidity, including BPD, neck, IVH. And that meta-analyses of uh, or of randomized control trials show that pharmacologic treatment with cyclooxygenase inhibitors induced PDA closure but had no beneficial effect on clinical outcomes. It felt like some of these things really could have come up on boards. Now, the, the question that the, the, the trial that is called the early treatment versus expectative management of PDA in preterm infants, the Benedict, the Beneductus. So B-E-N-E-D-U-C-T-U-S, Beneductus. I, I'm, I'm giving this a five out of 10 on the- Oh, uh, I think it's cute. Uh, <laughs> too complicated. But the Benny Duck But it makes child, me feel like it's. it sounds like the duct is a good thing. Right. Ben, ben, yeah. <laughs> Which we'll see. I mean, that's a good point. So it was performed in extremely preterm infants with uh, a PDA confirmed on echocardiography to assess whether expected management would be non-inferior to early ibuprofen treatment with respect to specifically three outcomes, necrotizing enterocolitis, moderate to severe BPD, or death. Uh, and all that assessed at a time point uh, selected at 36 weeks postmenstrual age. This was an international multicenter randomized controlled non-inferior trial conducted at 17 neonatal intensive care units in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Denmark. So the babies who were included were infants um, with, a with a gestational age at birth of less than 28 weeks. They had to have uh, a confirmed PDA on echocardiogram with a diameter of superior to 1.5 millimeter at the smallest point and who had a transductal left-to-right shunt between 24 and 72 hours postnatal age. I thought it was either Gabriel Altit or Phil Levy during the Neo Heart that had this great slide about like uh, PDA architecture and saying like obviously the PDA is a three-dimensional structure, and so there are points where right. it could be larger than others. So that's why they they say <clears throat> uh, superior to 1.5 millimeters at the smallest point. So at, mm -hmm. the, at the very very least 1.5 millimeter. Um. Exclusion criteria were contraindication to ibuprofen, the use of any uh, cyclooxygenase inhibitor before randomization, persistent pulmonary hypertension, a congenital heart defect, a life-threatening congenital defect, or chromosomal abnormality. And the intervention was interesting. It was ibuprofen, but they didn't really specify a dose. And it says it was the dosage according to local protocol. So um, <clears throat> most people uh, will see ended up using standard doses, but there was no there's not nothing um, specifically established right in the in the methodology. And then echocardiogram was done um, after uh, about twelve hours or more after the last dose of the regimen. The control uh, got no treatment. Um, aimed no no treatment aimed at closing the PDA basically right so so really nothing. So the definition of a 
PDA closure was either that the, the duct had completely closed or that the size had gone below 0.5 millimeter on echo. If closure was not achieved, there was an option to give a second course of ibuprofen. If it still wasn't closed after two courses, then the options included either a third course or ductal ligation. The primary outcome was the composite outcome of neck, moderate to severe BPD, defined as uh, the 2001 definition plus a, a, an oxygen challenge, or death associated ass assessed at 36 weeks postmenstrual age. The non-inferiority of this intervention was defined as an absolute risk difference with an upper boundary of uh, the one-sided 95% confidence interval of less than 10%. And so we'll see. We'll see if they met their criteria. Uh, they performed both an intention to treat and a per-protocol analysis that included infants in the expectant group that received open-label uh, treatment after meeting the criteria. The bottom line is, in that case, they had the option of doing echoes on the babies who were in the control group. And if... Uh, there were significant findings on ECHO. They were able to uh, give medication in an open-label fashion to these babies. And so uh, we'll find out that there was not much deviation from the protocol, but that uh, this was given as an option, obviously, for, for ethical and safety reasons. <clears throat> so they were able to consent 442 uh, families and, and infants. 273 uh, underwent uh, randomization. 136 in the expectant group, 137 in the early ibuprofen group. And we'll talk about that because they didn't meet the number that they wanted to actually uh, enroll. They didn't meet the number of patients they wanted to enroll based on their power calculation. The median gestational age was 26 weeks. The median birth weight was 845 grams. Uh, ibuprofen was started at a median of 63 hours of life with a median dose of 10 mg per kilo for one dose, followed by two doses of 5 mg per kilo, which is sort of what, right, Daphna, what you and I use. Um, but obviously, there's discussions about higher ibuprofen mm -hmm. doses. And so, uh, but that was the median dose. That was the most commonly uh, seen dosage. Um, the baseline characteristics were similar between the two groups, except that uh, in the control arm, more babies were born to mothers who uh, developed HELP syndrome. Okay, but the primary outcome. So the primary outcome of neck, moderate to severe BPD, or death at 36 weeks occurred in 46% in the expectant management group and 63% in the early ibuprofen group. With... Wow. Uh, uh, an absolute risk difference of minus 17 percentage points. Um, and uh, mostly, and, and so the thing that's interesting is that because they use this composite outcome of neck, moderate to severe BPD or death, it's important to note that this difference of, um, <clears throat> of 17, uh, 17 percentage points was mostly driven by BPD, actually. Mm -hmm. So the babies who got the early ibuprofen were more, much more likely to develop BPD. And I have the, the table right here. Um, and for BPD specifically, it was 39% versus 57%. And when it came to neck, it was 24 versus 21%. Death was 19 versus 25%. 25% still in the, in the early uh, ibuprofen group. So, but that was not really statistically significant as, as opposed to BPD. Um, the distribution of reported causes of death were similar between the two groups. 
And as we just said, moderate to severe BPD was diagnosed in 33.3% of infants in the expectant group versus 51% in the early ibuprofen group. Uh, the frequencies of adverse events and serious adverse events were similar between the two groups. And the results of the subgroup analysis were consistent with the overall finding, with the exception of a potential difference according to sex that suggested maybe better outcome for expectant management in male infants compared to female infants. I thought that was interesting. They didn't really go into much more details. Now, I usually... Um, so the, the conclusion of the article is that... Um, in infants with a gestational age below 28 weeks, expectant management for a PDA uh, measuring uh, more than 1.5 millimeter was non-inferior to early ibuprofen treatment with regards to neck, moderate to severe BPD, or death. And uh, results suggest a lower risk of this outcome in the expectant management group. Now, I don't usually uh, read too much into the discussion because I say it's always the opportunity for the authors to make their numbers look good. Mm -hmm. But the discussion was fascinating in this paper. So even though I sort of skip on the discussion on the podcast, I, I do read through all of it. And in this case, it was really interesting. So the, obviously, they mentioned that the main limitation of the paper is that they didn't meet the goal for enrollment. Mm -hmm. And... And that goes to show how difficult it is to design these PDA trials because they say that they recruited infants in 17 centers for almost four years and only right. reached 48% of the planned sample size mm -hmm. to undergo randomization. So, I mean, this is, this is extremely difficult and, um, and that's, a, that's a big deal. They also uh, did a very nice um, job in trying to explain and and review some of the data so they mentioned that like a recent uh prospective study showed that uh showed so so the, the big question is could we explain right some of these findings and that's the main thing that i was interested in reading through the, the discussion right. and they're saying that the recent prospective study showed decreased vascular growth factors in preterm infants with pda after exposure to ibuprofen which something i was not familiar with and previous randomized trials have not shown increased risk of bronchopulmonary dysplasia with ibuprofen treatment. And so they're saying it's possible that this discrepancy can be explained by the high percentage of infants who received open-label treatment in the expectant management group in these trials. And that's something that's been a, a plague for all these P PDA studies where there's a lot of crossover. But in this specific trial, in the Biniductus trial, there wasn't very much of that. And so maybe uh -huh. we're seeing something for the first time that we were not able to see because of that, that, that adherence. Um, they also mentioned, rightfully so, that the results of the trial should not be interpreted to suggest that there's no uh, causal relationship between PDA and uh, neonatal morbidity in extremely preterm infants. Uh -huh. it's, possible, uh -huh. it's plausible that an attempt to close the PDA with ibuprofen may be more harmful than the condition itself. Safer and more effective treatments for a PDA with a high left-to-right shunt volume warrant study. So leaving us really uh, questioning <laughs> what else are we going to be able to do. But a uh, fascinating study, fascinating outcomes. And I'm going to try, I mean, I have, I keep talking about like I'm reading through my notes, obviously, but I'm going to try to post my notes on the website page. So if you guys want to read through and and maybe easier for people to read because I, I use little emojis to make, to make it easier for myself and stuff. <laughs> You'll be able to find that. I think the authors were very measured in their, in their conclusions, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know, PDAs are, they're 
it's a it's a rivalry, right? Between and and people, um, people's thoughts on the PDA. So I think that they and, and if you're interested is, in the PDA, you should follow on Twitter uh, Professor Afifel Kufash, Doctor Shuvek mm-hmm. Mitra, uh, who discuss PDA and who are involved in PDA research at a very high level. And it's interesting because the comment that always comes back from from them too is it's so hard to design the proper study and conduct the proper PDA study. So I was not yeah. truly surprised to see the, the results of this study from that standpoint. Yep. And we, there are other uh, PDA trials underway. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see the results of we'll those. We'll be right there to present them when they come out. <laughs> this podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.